Hello everyone, how are you all doing? Welcome to another episode of this podcast. Today's episode is going to be about the diagnosis and the treatment of thalassemia. So I hope you've had a chance to listen to my previous episode where I talked about the different types of thalassemia and I also explained that for the baby to be at risk of having beta thalassemia major, both parents must be carriers of the beta thalassemia gene. So trying to guess what genes the baby's going to pick up from parents, so what, who the baby's going to look like, it's a little bit like the game of roulette. Once the ball is dropped into the spinning thing, we don't know where the ball is going to land. So we don't know what genes the baby's going to pick up. So with a couple who are both carriers of this beta thalassemia gene they have a one in four chance or a 25 percent chance with every pregnancy the mother carries that the baby would pick up the beta thalassemia gene from mom and beta thalassemia gene from dad and together that gives beta thalassemia major I am going to be focusing on beta thalassemia major and this is because this is the diagnosis that requires prompt and active management. Where there is a delayed diagnosis of beta thalassemia major, you would find that the baby is extra sleepy. So we all know that babies sleep for England, right? This is normal for them because this is how they develop, this is how they grow. However, a baby with beta thalassemia major would be extra sleepy and you would find that their parents would have to really wake them up and stimulate them to wake up for a feed so if they latch onto the boob or they're taking a bottle you would find that they start to drop off to sleep in between feeds and because they're taking in less their wet nappies is also going to be less and this is a concern for any parent if this carries on for weeks and weeks and weeks this can actually lead to the death of the infant so prompt diagnosis and um, management of this condition is absolutely crucial for the overall outcome of these cohort of children okay so as part of the antenatal screening program all pregnant women are offered screening for the detection of an abnormal hemoglobin. Part of this program is the newborn screening program, which is offered to all babies born in the UK um, between day five and eight. So it is actually an integrated program. So the screening program is available in other countries such as in America, in India, in Cyprus and in the Philippines I believe and they offer the newborn screening program nationally. However, just imagine the number of countries that cannot offer their population screening at a national level and this could be because they don't have the correct social or economic infrastructure in place to maintain a screening program. 
you can just imagine the number of children who would become really unwell because certain conditions have not been picked up on time and therefore not managed and you would also find an increase of children dying from these from the complications of delayed intervention and it's so heartbreaking because all children deserve a good start in life and this is why screening programs are absolutely essential okay so when a woman and a partner has been screened they've received the results that they have been identified to be carriers of the thalassemia gene their risks of having a baby with beta thalassemia major is then calculated so the risks to the baby is discussed with the couple and they are then offered a procedure called prenatal diagnosis so prenatal diagnosis is the procedure that involves taking a sample of either the placenta tissue or the aminotic fluid because there's an abundance of genes just swimming in there so these samples are sent off for genetic testing and when the results come back it could pick up that the baby is affected and if the baby is affected with thalassemia it can also detect the severity of the thalassemia so another way that thalassemia could be diagnosed is through the sickle cell and thalassemia screening program, which is also part of the newborn screening program. The newborn blood spot test is completed ideally on day five. However, it can be extended to day eight. Once the results of the newborn blood spot test comes back, it would show that the baby is only making fetal hemoglobin. So to put things into context, the fetal hemoglobin is made up of alpha globin chains and gamma chains. Now, gamma chains are important when the baby is all nice and cozy inside the belly. But when the baby comes out into the world, the switch has got to happen. So this is where the switch from gamma chains to beta globin chains occur. Now, if this does not happen, this would indicate that the baby is only making alpha globin chains. And this is the reason why the newborn blood spot test would only pick up fetal hemoglobin because the beta globin chains were not detected. And this indicates that there is a presence of thalassemia. So another way that beta thalassemia major can be diagnosed is through a blood test. So a child who is not born in this country or um, for some rare reason missed out on the national newborn screening program um, would start to experience symptoms of anemia. So usually with these kind of symptoms, the parents would book an appointment with their general practitioner for an assessment with a presenting complaint of um, increasing tiredness, low energy levels, um, reduced appetite, the child might look pale, um, and other symptoms of anemia really. And this usually occurs around age 
um, two, about two years old. And this would prompt the doctor to um, request a blood test from the child. So the child will have a um, full blood count and also a hemoglobinopathy screen, which would also check to see if the child has any abnormal hemoglobins. These results would show that the baby has a reduced red blood cell count, a reduced hemoglobin level, and also there'll be an increase in the A2. So the higher the A2, the higher the likelihood of a beta thalassemia major diagnosis. So the decision to start transfusion would be dependent on the symptoms that the child presents with really. So in my experience, I have come across a boy with beta thalassemia major who started blood transfusions at six months old and he started at a frequency of every three weeks. So blood transfusion is the process that involves the transfusion of normal healthy red blood cells giving that child uh, normal hemoglobin and the whole aim of giving blood transfusion is to optimize the child's growth and optimize normal development which in turn enables them to have a relatively normal life well into adulthood. So remember in one of my previous episodes, I explained that hemoglobin has an iron component within it. So transfused healthy red blood cells are therefore rich in iron. So what happens is that given regular blood transfusions can lead to a buildup of iron within the body. The body cannot get rid of excess iron naturally. So at some point, children with beta thalassemia major who are on a regular transfusion program would need to be started on the medication that can remove the excess iron from the body. So if the removal of excess iron is not managed promptly, Iron can start to build up in the heart, it can start to build up in the liver, it can also damage the pituitary gland which helps with hormone secretion and this can cause a lot of problems for the child and this would affect their overall quality of life. So this medication that removes the excess iron is available either orally or via a subcutaneous infusion which runs over several hours. So folic acid supplements are also recommended because they're a B vitamin and B vitamins are known to support the production of normal red blood cells. So is there a cure for beta thalassemia major? Hmm. Well, the answer is yes, and this is through a stem cell transplant. And this is where the 40 stem cells that are found in the bone marrow are replaced with healthy ones. However, there has to be a donor. 
and this is where the difficulty comes in because the donor has to be a very close match to reduce the risks of their body rejecting the transplant okay so we've come to the end of another episode thank you all so much for tuning in today and don't forget to share this podcast and this episode and i'll see you all soon take care bye bye